0: Hello, I'm Shruti Avasti and you're listening to my brand new podcast called The Sunkissed Souls. Hello and welcome listeners. Welcome to the Sunkist Souls, where we illuminate the journeys of those who shine brightly in their fields. I'm Shruti Avasti, your host, and today we are privileged to welcome a truly radiant soul amongst us, Eugenia Jordan. Eugenia embodies the spirit of Sunkist Living as the Chief Marketing Officer. She's also a first-generation immigrant. She's an accomplished author of a best-selling book, as well as she's the founding member of Chief in Boston, which is a testament to her leadership and influence in the industry. With expertise in brand building, go-to-market strategies, product marketing, and MarCom, Eugenia has left an indelible mark on the company she has worked with. Her notable achievements include, but are not limited to, orchestrating Cisco's 2012 global rebrand, positioning Starrant for a $2.9 billion acquisition, crafting Starrant's IPO communications and promotion strategy. But it's beyond her professional accomplishment that Eugenia shines as a respected industry and female keynote speaker, captivating audiences with her insights and motivational talks. She has authored over 100 articles and garnered five awards to date, a testament to her influence and impact. Join us as we delve into Eugenia's journey today, exploring the wisdom she has gained through the ages and the light she brings to the world of marketing and beyond. So without further ado, let's welcome Eugenia Jordan to the Sunkissed Souls. So Eugenia, thank you so much for being a part of the Sunkissed Souls podcast. And when I think about you, when I met you for the first time, I was so enchanted because you are a chief marketing officer. You are the author of a best-selling book. Um, you were the one of the founding members of the Chief Platform, which is a private platform for women in leadership roles. You are also a keynote speaker, and you help people like me. You mentor so many people across the globe. And on top of that, let me mention that you are a wife and you are a mother and you take care of your rescue dog. I mean, how do you do it all? You seem to be the perfect example of a woman can have it all while at the same time we want to break that myth. So Eugenia Jordan, welcome to the
1: Sunkist Souls. Oh, Shorty, thank you so very, very much for having me. And you're such a great example as well. And that's why I think you and I, we relate so well. We're both immigrant, we're both women. We both had to start over and we both are very successful in our careers and personal life as well
0: you being too kind. I love you for that, Eugenia. And for the listeners today, I just wanted you guys to know that I do share a very personal relationship with Eugenia. She's very kindly offered to become my mentor and my coach, and hopefully someday my sponsor. But she's a phenomenal woman, and I'm I'm just so be blessed uh, to share this time with you, Eugenia. So you started talking about immigration, and I think that's one of the biggest four pillars of the podcast, immigration, life, identity, and then the things that we do in our lives. So let me start with immigration. I know that you are Russian. So how was this whole transition from Russia to the US? Was there a milestone? Was there a point in time where you just decided to switch continents? Or was that more of like a personal story?
1: Good question. So I just realized that I've been out of Russia. I left, I was 24. So for almost. 30 years, so and that's why when I talk about myself, I talk about myself as Russian-born American, and the reason I left Russia, because there was no future, it was mid-90s, and my mom wanted the best, Um, she was a single mom, she wanted the best for her children, so she scraped enough money to send us to Canada, and in Canada, I got my second education, I have master's degree in teaching from Russia, And I also have computer undergrad from Canada. And love brought me to the U.S. I met my ex-husband, and I was hoping for happily ever after, and that didn't happen. So I found myself in a very verbally abusive and very controlling marriage. So, and it was really, really hard because... I had a mom in Canada to support and it was right after 9-11 when there was no jobs and I had a job in the U.S. so I had to stay and when I realized that I succeeded as an immigrant I was actually writing a foreword for a book um, right before this recording and I think I realized that Even despite, you know, writing 100 articles for my industry, creating the new market category, writing the best leadership book, I was still questioned. I was still questioned because I don't have a marketing degree, my degrees in teaching. So when I got nominated as the CMO to watch, so many people said, oh, my God. So for many, it might not be their rival, but for me, being nominated for... This owner, the CMO to watch, was like, Yeah, this is a milestone of my immigrant journey. This is the milestone of me as a Russian-born American. Thank
0: you, Eugenia, that is so powerful. And you touched upon a lot of topics that I want to delve deeper upon. A, it's not being easy to be an immigrant in a foreign land. And especially if you come to the Western side of the world, like there is always this bias, this subconscious bias. I don't want to say that people are not nice. People are nice, but there's just years and years and generational biases that we carry within ourselves that at some point in time, we don't even realize that these biases are hindering the other to succeed. And then on top of that, you touched upon a very important thing that you moved for love. As women, we sacrifice so much for the perfect relationship and that didn't succeed. And I'm sure that the biases would have doubled down to see an immigrant woman without a successful marriage, but with a child, and you still wanted to go ahead in your career. Can you shed some more light upon the biases and importantly, how you overcame all of them? Because I know in my personal life, and I know in my professional life, a lot of women who are in these abusive relationships, who do not have the strength to even admit it to themselves, forget admitting it to the world and doing something about it. So what was that thing that motivated you to take a stab, and then continued to forge ahead in your career?
1: I remember to this day, so it was probably 19, 18 years ago because my son is almost 20 years old. And um, we were visiting my ex-husband's grandmother and um, his father was there. So it was three generations, the grandfather, the father, and then the son, my kid. And the little boy ran... Um, he he was a year and a half, he was running and he was going to get smacked um, by a heavy um, door, and I yelled at him. And the grandfather turned around and he started yelling at me. And I realized that the reason my husband, my ex-husband was verbally abusive because he learned it from his father. So that day I made the decision to break the chain And I told my ex-husband I was gonna move out. I found a program for single mothers to buy a um, tiny small town house. And we had no money. We had no money to buy furniture. For the first few weeks, we slept on the floor. And when I saw my little boy sleeping on the floor in his little diaper, He became my wife. And that's why I decided that I need to build a career so he won't have to struggle like me. And you're absolutely right. There's a lot of microaggressions towards immigrants. And the way I learned to answer them is when someone... Makes a comment about me being a male, um, male order bride because there's a lot of Eastern European women, you know, they're considered male order brides. We're not scientists, we're not um, authors, we're not executives, we're male order brides. So I always ask a question because I always assume good on people. I ask when you uh, wonder if I am a male order bride, do you mean? for this to be helpful or hurtful. And it's all about education. So, and it's hard because people like you and me, we run into it all the time. Even in my own house, when people come to the door and they hear my accent, they ask, where's the lady of the house? And I'm like, looking around, (laughs) where's the lady? I'm not a lady because I'm wearing, you know, PJs or whatever. No, it's the accent. So, and you're absolutely right, it's the biases. We judge people by color, by their accent, and, and it, you know, I have a Russian accent, and if people are, you know, African-American, they have the accent, they, you know, being judged as well. we judged by our names. we judged how we're dressed. Um, we just need to stop that, and instead of calling people names or asking hurtful questions we just need to take a step back and put ourselves in the shoes of that person their grand great 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 parents were immigrants as well in you know in massachusetts i used to live in you know massachusetts and boston people hated on irish then people hated on italians the history history needs to teach us something Don't hate on each other, don't hate on immigrants. We are the land of immigrants.
0: I will tell you a personal incident. So you know that I immigrated to Canada when I was not even married. I got my residency and then I moved back to India because I was in a relationship and I wanted that to culminate into marriage, much like yours. So I moved back from Canada to India to get married and then later on when I decided to come back and give it another try, most of the people just assumed that I am on my husband's dependent visa. People couldn't believe or fathom or digest the fact that I took the stance, being 26 years old, to move to a new country and in fact I was the one who sponsored my husband. and The problem with me is I find that this is more fundamentally challenging for a relationship. Like, why do you need power balances in a relationship? Why is it so important that who took that initiative? Why is it not important that we are today together in it trying to create a better future for us and for our families? And so I completely hear you. These biases, they need to stop and we need to break the chain. Thank you for that one, Eugenia. And that brings me to actually the natural flow. And you are such a master at it. You probably would have anticipated all of my questions is help us understand when you were the single mother, but you also had to build a career. What were those tools and tips that you would like to share with us that actually helped you? Because it's not easy starting from scratch. It's not easy giving up on a life that you had uh, just to create a better one for the future.
1: So one tip and it's um, establishing boundaries. No is a complete sentence. Um, I was a single mom, and I had to go and pick up my son at 5.30 p.m. So I had to leave the office at 5 o'clock, not 5.01, not 5.02, 5 o'clock, or I would get stuck in traffic, and my boy would be, again, the last one to be picked up. I didn't want my child to experience that. So I had to establish strict boundaries that I had to leave at five o'clock. And of course, um, after, you know, we had, I picked him up, we had dinner, we had fun. Um, He went to bed at eight and I was on the computer working. Establishing those boundaries when you're a single parent, when you're building your career is a, a key. I still contributed, I still delivered on all the tasks. I was, um, um, I, I delivered on all my KPIs and objectives. It, I had flexibility how I was able to do it. And again, it's thanks to my you know, boss, if he's listening, Andy, you're the godsend and I'm forever grateful because it was 15 years ago, 17 years ago when no one was even talking about remote work. He wanted me to succeed, and we made that arrangement that he helped me to stick to my boundaries.
0: All right. So, Eugenia, you talked about the importance of having good support system having boundaries and allies in men. Because most times when we talk about being a feminist, it is considered that we are anti-men. I don't think that's the true definition of a feminist. I think as a feminist, all we need is the equality to be able to choose the life that we want, which men have with the freedom and the grace and the dignity that men experience. And second thing is being a feminist means that we look for men as allies to support us in bringing all of these major issues to the table. So tell me about a time where you found out that it is important to have good leadership, but if you, even if you don't have a good leader, it is so important for us as women to create those nurturing circles around us, right? Because not everybody gets blessed by a good leader, but we can definitely choose the friends around us and, and those support systems around us. Because like I said in my introduction, a woman can have it all only when she has an army of people around her to help her have it all.
1: Yeah, it takes a village, absolutely. So. Um... I was a founding member of Chief in Boston, and then I left. But though I did leave the organization, I didn't leave the Chiefs. So um, I have WhatsApp groups. We um, I go to New York. I go to different places to m- meet those women. And it is important, especially for executive women, because there is so very few of us at the table across different industries, we need to know that we are not alone. We might be the first ones in our industry, but there are people like us at the executive table in other industries. So when I speak up in meetings, when I go on stage at conferences, I know that there's an army of women behind me. And that's an absolutely amazing feeling. And it gives you as a executive woman, an opportunity to do your best, inspire, connect, and change this the face of leadership.
0: We also talked about how you bounced back in your life and how. And while we were discussing how some women are in these abusive relationships, I also now know that you have found the love of your life. So how do we normalize finding love in our 40s or 50s? Or how difficult was it for you to overcome the initial fear of falling in love again? So
1: when you're um, a mom, um, you come in a package. So you want to find someone who will accept you as a package. And um, I remember I met my husband. My son was um, six years old and he owned um, edible arrangements and they had smoothies there. And... My husband then, you know, we were just dating. He said, Oh, why don't you and um, your kid go to the mall and tell them that you uh, are dating me and they will give you some free smoothies. So my six year old heard that and he said, Oh my God, mom, he must love us so much that he wants us to have free smoothies.
0: Would have been incredible for you to hear as a mother. Oh, that's beautiful.
1: And that's how you know that it's, you know, this person is accepting you for all of you. um, And I was a mom, I had a six-year-old, and I was a very busy um, marketing professional. So I went on Match.com, I was 40 years old, and I looked at it as... Um, I had a goal to meet a life partner, and I looked at it, and it's, might, it might sound funny to you, but I set KPIs for myself, and I listened to my heart. Though I did have KPIs, I listened to my heart. So I wanted to meet diverse group of men, and I wanted to listen to my heart. On my second date with my husband, I knew I was going to marry him. So and then it took a long time. We went through some tragedies. Um, my mom died. Um, we had a miscarriage. Um, we so it, it it was challenging. And still, you know, 13 years later, we we um, come home to each other because he accepted me for who I was with all my. Weaknesses with all my craziness, um, and he accepted m- my child as well. And I'm gonna cry again. Um, when the when the kid turned 18, he adopted him because we couldn't. Um, the biological father, though he was not part of um, the kid's life, he wouldn't um, let go of his parental rights. He hasn't seen him. Um, in 12 years maybe 13 so he adopted him at 18 because um the child decided at 18 that he wants to be adopted so that was the first question when he turned 18 he said okay when can we start the adoption
0: you know your story is such a beacon of hope for so many women who a have not found love yet or who have burned their hearts once and want to re-believe because all of us need that partner at the end of the day. Like we might be high achieving women, but at the end of the day, you want to come home to a nurturing environment and to a comforting place where you're not judged for who you are. We all have our flaws and the crazy and trust me the more successful the woman is the crazier she gets um, and we just need some men for, to appreciate us for it so my last question for this segment and then definitely don't go anywhere because we would love to talk about your book i have so many questions around that but just last question so that the people and the audiences can understand you as a person more is tell me something that is your biggest fear and tell me something that is your biggest motivation in life. I know that the motivation would be your son for sure, after speaking to you for so many days, but just wanted to understand that even though you are at that platform of success, we all have fears as a human being. And how do you handle those fears? And then what motivates
1: you? So the fear is to lose my son, that he won't be able to realize his full potential, so that's a fear. Um, And then another fear, professional fear, that I won't be able to realize and change the industry and bring more diverse voices into telecom um, before it's my time to go, so... um, to fears, and it's all about not being able to realize what we were meant to achieve in this life. Motivation is, and I'm gonna lead with what you said, that men are allies, and being a feminist, it's not putting men down. We don't have enough women's voices in digital world on podcast and that's why when you said you were gonna start the podcast, I said, Oh my god, yes, do it. We don't have enough women voices writing books on LinkedIn. So my motivation is to ensure there is more women on LinkedIn building their personal brands, women writing articles across different industries, women doing podcasts, writing books, doing T V shows. So If they see me and I can help them to break out of their comfort zone and say, yes, I can write a book, I can do a podcast, I can go on a TV show, then that is my motivation.
0: That is amazing, Eugene. And just for my listeners, I have to tell you guys this thing. So I met Eugenia sometime around summer last year, and we had a chat. And in my first chat, Eugenia asked me, what's your KPI, Shruti? And I was so confused at the time. I was like, okay, let me think about it. And then I went back to her and we had a brief chat and she gave me literal homework, guys. So she's not an easy mentor. Um, she gave me a homework to read two books by world-class authors. And then she said, what do you want to do? And at the time I was toying around with the idea of the podcast and I said, Eugenia, I want to launch my podcast. And she said, then what's stopping you? And I said, nothing. So she said, the next time I want to talk to you, Shruti, is when you have the podcast. Now, I slagged on it for a bit. But trust me, when I connected with her in January this year, I had checked box all of my boxes. And I think that's what women do to each other. We make each other accountable for our dreams. And sometimes it is that accountability that how will I face my mentor if I've not checked all the boxes? is just the right impetus that we need to move and put that first foot forward. And Eugenia, I have to thank you for that. So thank you so much.
1: Because now I see you doing a podcast, maybe in 2025, you will see me saying, oh, maybe I can start a podcast as well. So you see them and you can be them.
0: Yay, that would be fantastic. And then maybe someday you will interview me. All right. So for this segment, I want to take the time to talk about your book, Unlimited. I know that you made us all feel invincible and unlimited, but what was exactly the inspirational story that led you to write the book, Eugenia? So it
1: all happened during COVID when um, we were all locked down at home and I read in three months I read 50 leadership books and as I put the last one down I realized that majority of them were written by men for men and again as you were saying I'm not here to bash men those books are leadership classics but what do those authors know how it is to grow in a corporate world when you're an immigrant when you're female or when you're a person of color or all three. And that last book was the motivation for me to write my own leadership book for people like me.
0: In fact, I in, my, in one of my episodes, I actually said this. I said, as a woman, I have to make unusual efforts to succeed because if I fail, it's not that Shruti failed, it's that women cannot do this, or women are bad drivers, or women are bad judges of character, or women do not have what it takes. And I'm like, how can you just mark 50% of the world's population, including the force that gave you birth to be able to have the sense to say things and be so mean to us. And the reason that women were bad drivers is look at how many women were actually taught how to drive. Forget how, how many women were taught how to drive. Look at how many women were actually allowed to move out of the house, to be able to try and experiment with things. Unlike men, ever since hunters and gatherers, they were outside. They understood the outside environment, the forces of the nature the way the society operates. We have merely been opposed to all of this for the last, what, 200 years in in the very native format. And not even 200 years when, I mean, I'm a banker, Eugenia, you know that. And I spoke in a panel and I said, do you know when was the first account opened by a woman? It was 1884. But when was the first account opened by a woman was operated by a woman is 1937. So even though the accounts were opened for women, they were operated by men on their behalf. And that is still the practice in so many different jurisdictions in the world today. Women cannot keep the money that they earn. Women cannot operate their accounts. Women cannot take any financial decision, even though they contribute to the finances of the family and this is just bizarre and I think as as small as a voice I might be on the podcast I take it upon myself as my life's mission to just shatter these stereotypes and I am so thankful yujira that I have beautiful women like you joining me in the mission we
1: need to understand that there is a system it was built for men by men and if we allow that system to limit us it's on us so understanding that the system exists and then not allowing the system to limit ourselves, hence the name of the book is unlimited. Yes, you probably heard how many times, um, you know, that you cannot do this or that. And what did you tell those people? Watch me.
0: And we will do that.
1: Just watch out for us. Exactly, it's every single voice counts. If we can teach all those women how to become unlimited, they're gonna break barriers.
0: All right. So, Eugenia, for our audiences, what are the top three themes or key messages from the book that would inspire us to read it even more?
1: So the three key messages, um, there are three parts of the book. The first one is what does an individual need to do to become unlimited, to learn how to find their voice, how to negotiate, how to work through their weaknesses or fears or fears of failure. Then the second one is you cannot do it alone. We, we, we're talking about building your village, how to network with your village. And then the last one is when you have a platform, like you and I, we have platforms, when you are an executive woman, you're at the table, it is your responsibility to bring people like you to the table. Don't try to, you know, go like this. No, extend the table. Open the door. Bring more diverse voices and people to the table. That's the three out, uh, that's the three takeaways from the book. You, your circle, and what you need to do to change the face of leadership. And Eugena,
0: I know that you also donate books to effective causes. I know that I have asked you to donate books to certain NGOs here all the way to Canada, but for people listening to the podcast, where is the book available? How can we order it? And then if indeed we are working with an NGO or a good
1: social cause, how do we get you to donate those books? Thank you for reminding me. Yes, so last year I donated, I think a thousand books um yep thank you uh people were so generous and i donated all across um the globe i donated in in the uk so um and in canada as well thank you for introducing me to that organization my book is available on amazon um and people can purchase it on amazon And if there is an organization that helps underrepresented, empowers them to become leaders, you can uh, reach me on my website, Eugenajordan.com, You can send me an email. You can send me a DM on LinkedIn. Um, You can reach out and introduce me to that NGO so I can ship them the books and help people like us learn how they can become unlimited.
0: Whoa, that's huge, Eugenia.
1: Congratulations on that. Absolutely, and I'm happy to uh, talk to women in your organization. And also, I'm going to be in Toronto, I think, in August. I'm going to be visiting a friend, so we're going to meet up.
0: I know I shouldn't say this, but I would need an autographed copy of the book that I can put on my bookshelf over there. but And I was also hoping that we will organize a chat with you within my organization for women to learn more about the book and the impactful work that you're doing. And I'm sure that other people can also reach out to you. And I know you, Eugenia, you're so generous with your time. And with your resources that you will never say no to a good cause
1: yes so i'm figuring out the dates but i'll be coming to toronto and you are on you know you're second on my list after my friend michelle Yay!
0: so we have a meetup coming up oh my goodness this is so incredibly amazing thank you for not telling me earlier and keeping this as a surprise i will blog the whole month because i'm looking so forward to be meeting you oh i feel i feel fortunate Thank you. Sending you a huge hug and a huge kiss. Okay, Eugenia, so as we wrap up today's episode, uh, as a woman who's listening to it in middle management, what would be the two advice that you would give me um, in order to not only, you know, move ahead in my corporate life or my corporate success ladder, but also become a better human being?
1: So the first one is find your voice because your voice matters and use your voice. Use your voice to um, get what you deserve, because I know you work really, really, really hard. And also to inspire others like you to find their voice and speak up. You never know who is listening or watching. And once you find your voice, you become unlimited.
0: Thank you, Eugenia. Thank you for being on the Kiss Souls podcast. It has been an absolutely fantastic evening and time well spent with you because even though I knew you, I got to learn a complete new side of you. Thank you for being phenomenally the phenomenal woman that you are.
1: And thank you. I learned so much about you and I live very, you know, energized from this conversation. Thank you for being you.
0: All right, listeners, as we conclude today's enlightening conversation with Eugenia, we are reminded of the profound impact women like her have in shaping our world. Their voices, their experiences, and their perspectives are not just valuable, but essential in our collective journey towards becoming truly unlimited. In celebrating Eugenia's achievement today, we honor not only her individual brilliance, but also the countless women whose contributions continue to enrich and inspire us all. But that's not all! As we look forward to March, a month dedicated to celebrating women worldwide, we invite you to stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. Because throughout March, the Sunkist souls will be shining a spotlight on remarkable women with grit and determination. We will bring forward their stories and their contributions to our shared tapestry of humanity. Thank you for tuning in today. And like I always say, until we meet next time, stay sun-kissed.